fans and welcome to another edition of Bucky's fifth podcast on today's show we'll of course talk about the Badgers Big Ten championship the good of course in the first half and the bad in the second half we'll get to each of those uh, segments of the game Uh, obviously we've all probably watched it and know uh, but it's good to talk it through because I know some people are are sad about it and then of course uh, we haven't talked to Badger basketball in a while so we'll do a quick recap of that because they've had a couple games since the last time we've talked about it and then we'll talk about of course the Badgers doing enough to get to Pasadena obviously going to the Rose Bowl for the first time since 2013 I don't care if it's you know Ohio State's was supposed to go there and they went to the playoff. Anytime you can go to Pasadena and play a football game in what looks like the most beautiful stadium in the country, uh, you'll take it. So pretty exciting stuff. Obviously a a huge time of year for Wisconsin football and really Wisconsin athletics. Everything's kind of going full swing. So Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, Ready to talk a little basketball, a little football. Obviously, a big weekend across uh, all platforms with volleyball also playing and hockey going on. And it was just really cool sports weekend. And obviously, things didn't go necessarily the way we wanted them for the football team. But overall, uh, they handled their business enough to get to Pasadena, like you said. Yep. Yep. That's exciting stuff. Obviously, that was the goal. I know everyone wanted to win it. And I'm sure... When you're up 21-7 at halftime, you, people started to believe and, and get into it. But that's what makes it fun. It, it's better than going down there and getting blown out. I know it hurts and sucks at the preliminary stages of it. But overall, it's it's pretty cool to you know be going to a prestigious game like that. And they did enough to get there. Um, but before we do the football stuff, let's talk a little basketball. Uh, I did not see much of the game against Indiana. <laughs> Uh, we were at a. I was down in Indianapolis for the game, and we were at a bar at that time. They did have it on TV because obviously you're in Indianapolis, so I saw bits and pieces, but I didn't. Uh, I wasn't in the state of mind with my alcohol intake, too <laughs> and it was a very loud and crowded bar, so I couldn't focus on it too much. So, what did you? What was the obviously a bounce back win for the Badgers? Just given what happened in the obviously ACC Big Ten Challenge to come back and against Indiana, certainly a good win. So, what did you see from the Badgers, and is maybe a difference from the last performance is one of their worst ones to this one, which is probably one of their best ones we've seen all season. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing comes down to shooting. You know, the Badgers have been just absolutely putrid in terms of their shooting output the last few games especially when they were going ahead and losing games, uh, you know, in the Legends tournament, as well as uh, when they headed over there and and lost recently. So the Badgers have been better in this game, shooting 53% from the field, 40% from three-point, which is, I think, what really uh, altered the game because they were shooting like 18% over the last three games. And then you go in, put up 40% shooting. It makes a huge difference. It wasn't like they shot uh, a total less three-pointers or anything like that. They just got them to fall, and a little home cooking is always helpful. And then the big thing for me, at least when I was watching it, was to see Nate Reavers and Kobe King be aggressive. The two of them are the best scoring players on this Wisconsin team. They have the highest potential of being able to be guys that you can turn to when you need scoring output. And they took the, the majority of the shots. Kobe King was 10 of 15. Nate Reavers was 8 of 12. Nobody else shot more than seven shots. 
I honestly think that that's how this team should be doing it because those two have dynamic ability when they want to score. They can take the game over in terms of scoring at times. And I think uh, a lot of fans and a lot of media love the idea of having a, having you know, five guys who can go ahead and score and be able to, you know, one, nobody's really above the others in terms of what they're scoring and going out and playing, but really having two guys that you can lean on and go out there and, and be your playmakers and then have a, a guy like a lean four, get you 13, a guy like uh Brevin Pritzel, get you nine, Trice, get you eight. You know, those guys could even get in the teens sometimes if Reavers or King aren't on, but those two, I think need to be aggressive in hunting their shot and really being able to dictate the game because you could see Kobe King with 24 points, Reavers with 20, that they have the ability to do it. And they just weren't aggressive enough these past few games while everybody else was jacking up three pointers and just missing them. Yeah. That's kind of what I took from it too. You know, I saw, I guess that I saw very little of it, but what I did see was I, I noticed it more so with Kobe King because we haven't seen that from him all season, but I think you and I, and, and even on our round table discussions, in the preseason, we all expected Nate Reavers to make a big jump up. And we all kind of thought, okay, if there's another guy on this team that's really going to become that star playmaker type guy, it's going to be a guy like Kobe King because he's so dynamic. He's so athletic. He can score the basketball from anywhere. And I think you finally saw what a lot of people expected and hoped from him, even from, you know, Kobe King's been talked about since his high school days as being uh, the next big Wisconsin player. And I know his first two seasons maybe didn't go as well as he wanted them to, but I, I, everybody kind of expected that that jump the following year. So I was impressed with him. I know he's got that scoring output, and I would agree. I think he's probably one that you need to lean on more than you've done in the past simply because of his dynamic playmaking abilities because the other guys have strengths, and there's some weaknesses with them. There's I, The other guys on on the starting five and off the bench, they don't seem like predominantly like scoring threats anytime out where you can go through them and say, you know, we need a bucket. Let's go through Brad Davison or let's go through. I mean, yeah. don't, would you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, Kobe King's a guy who can score at all three levels. You know, he can get it around the hoop. He can finish in traffic. He can hit the mid range jumper. He can hit the stroke the three. He's a guy who can get it anywhere on the court and they need to get him to continue to be aggressive like this. He should be getting 15 shots a game. No doubt about it. Um, the other thing that was really huge for the team is they were a lot cleaner with their with the ball. They only had four turnovers. They had been struggling with that, ever, having over 10 turnovers in all of the games but one leading up to Indiana. So they, they completely uh, just dismantled Indiana from the get-go. Indiana, I think there was like three media members from Wisconsin at this game, uh, one myself included, and then you could see just a row of Indiana people and they were just looking at each other like, what the hell is happening after they came in undefeated? So it was definitely something that the Badgers needed. The fans were behind them. It was great to see. So um, hopefully they can kind of parlay this into some better playing going forward because they definitely need it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of, we talked about in our round table after that horrid NC State game which I don't even think I made it through that entire game either because I was just so frustrated and it was it was that one was really hard to watch um and we kind of said that you know this is the time where at four and four you know the season has not started the way they wanted to it's sink or swim and to get an undefeated Indiana team that is you know I know it's early and they've only won seven games and things can go left or right pretty fast in college basketball but to beat a team that 
in your home court that comes in undefeated is a huge resume boost, and hopefully that can kind of right this ship and, and get things going in the right direction for the future because we were a little concerned uh, after that NC State game that the things weren't going weren't gonna to get any easier with this you know Big Ten schedule early and then some tougher games in the non-conference, and then the Big Ten is is showing that it's going to be a deep conference overall that uh, might that might be a dogfight for a lot of teams. So to get a win in this conference is pretty important, wouldn't you say? Oh, no no doubt. And, I mean, Indiana to this point hasn't really played anybody. Their toughest non-con game was against Florida State. Beyond that, they were beating teams like Portland and some other, you know, cupcakes. But at the same time, we saw Wisconsin struggle against mid-major programs as well as NC State. So I was, uh, I was pretty concerned after seeing the – the kind of the wheels fall off, so to speak, but it was great to see them kind of put them back on and allow themselves a fighting chance moving forward, getting the first Big Ten win, giving them some momentum uh, as they go on the road next against Rutgers. Yeah, I like the what you said about you know a fighting chance. Obviously, this by no means excuses the beginning of the you know the season or or puts everything back on track, but it's good to see that this team's got a little fight in them and and they can you know bounce back and put those bad games behind them and hopefully. Uh, Go on a nice little run here. There's still a lot of basketball to be played. So I know people have gotten frustrated, and myself included was was pretty upset with some of the games. But, you know, it, usually Wisconsin can can put together pretty fast and, and make a, a solid season out of out of college basketball. So I'd, I wouldn't give up or, or jump off ship on this team quite yet. I know I think we finally saw some positive signs to hang around and then you know, <laughs> then they'll have a game where they come out and shoot 30% from three and we'll all be, I'll be back off the ship. <laughs> yeah. Everybody will be spinning once again. That's Wisconsin basketball in a nutshell, but uh, that's, that's just kind of how it goes. So thankfully that was a positive on Saturday. Let's uh, hop into some football after a couple quick ad reads. We all watch the game. We all have it fresh in our memory. It's uh, probably still sing- stings for some people. But it was overall a pretty solid game in the first half. Wisconsin came out. I don't think you could ask for a better start than what they had. And then, of course, the second half, the wheels just kind of fell off. So, Matt, what were just your initial thoughts on uh, the Big Ten championship game? You know, I, I, I think in the end it played out fairly similar to how I thought it would. I went in thinking the Badgers were going to lose by 10. I said 30 to 20. So it's not anything crazy off from that. Um, I was really impressed, actually, by how the Wisconsin came out. I thought Paul Chris did the right thing by taking the kick. You needed to seize momentum right away and try to deliver a haymaker. Wisconsin was able to do that to kind of stun Ohio State right away. Um, but, you know, obviously, Ohio State is supremely talented. They're one of the best teams in the Big Ten that's been around for for years. Uh, and this year, this is probably their best team that they had have had since they won the title. So it's it's no thing for the Badgers to kind of – you know, get sullen about, but at the same time, they need to move forward because they've got a big matchup coming up with the Rose Bowl. And if if they play as well as they did in the first half of that game, they're a playoff caliber team with that kind of uh, play. And and anybody who saw how they were taking Ohio State to the woodshed in the first half would see, yeah, that's a team that could that could go out there and compete with anybody. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, it was just a matter of, you know, they came out and they got com- you know confidence. They threw the first few punches, and it, it was exciting. I mean, I, I think you saw what this team could be, and you saw how good they can be. And obviously, they've had negative, you know, two against Ohio State and, of course, the Illinois loss. But you saw the potential 
and the playmakers of this team. Obviously, it didn't end up working out, um, you know, in full retrospect of what they wanted. Obviously, you want to win the Big Ten. You want to win that game. But most likely, if you win that game, I know it feels pretty good, but you're probably you're still going to the Rose Bowl, and Ohio State's probably still going to the playoffs. So I know it stings and it sucks in terms of the fashion that they lost, but overall, you know, postseason overall the postseason was probably decided anyway, unless you got you know got your doors blown off the way you did uh, the first game. I mean, I, at least that's what I thought going into it. So I thought after the first half, they had done enough already to get the pass. You know, was that kind of your thoughts too? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, they went they went out and and showed everybody that, hey, we can play with this team, a team that has the, the highest blue chip ratio. I know I've said that before, but they have like the biggest amount of talent on a team in the nation. If you look at head top to bottom playmakers that they have, they have four, four, possibly five guys. And, and I'm probably even underselling that that are going to be uh, in the first two rounds of this NFL draft coming up. Then you you project forward another year. Justin Fields is probably going to be a first or second round draft pick quarterback coming out after his junior year. I mean, this this is not a not a team to be taken lightly. And they the Badgers went ahead and hung with them with not nearly the number of four or five stars. I think I saw something like Wisconsin has one five star on the roster. Obviously, Logan Brown. Um, but then you you see on the other side, Ohio State had like I think it was almost 30. It was like 20, 20 to 35 stars, which is just absurd. That's over, almost half of your roster. I mean, a third of your roster that's made up of five stars. So it's it's just silly. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I mean, they're a very they're a very talented team, and Wisconsin hung tough for a half and you know had a lead. It wasn't like the first game where the Badgers were just clinging on to dear life and hoping that they could maybe get back into it. It was. It was a thorough whooping for the first half, and obviously I know it fell apart in the second half, and it was pretty ugly pretty fast, and, you know, that third quarter, everything had changed. But, yeah, there's some positives to take from that, you know, the first two quarters. So what were your kind of feelings when the Badgers jumped out to that 21-7 lead? Was it, you know, oh, my God, they might do this, they might pull it off, or was it still kind of optimistic or pessimistic that, you know, we've seen this movie before and, and things can happen and the wheels can fall off. I'm just curious on what you're thinking, because I was even at 21-7, I was pretty nervous that things were going to take a turn in this game. Yeah, I mean, I was I was definitely excited. It was I was happy to see the way that they were going out and playing, happy for the players. Um, and, and you could see the energy level that they had. You saw Jack Cohn get up after running that first down and, and dropped some not safe for work language, uh, as he was <laughs> screaming. So you could, you could definitely see the excitement and it was, and it was great. Um, I still, you know, I, I've been burned enough as I know you have been and any Badger fan, uh, who's ever been, uh, really tied to the program has been burned enough knowing, Hey, we've seen this story before they, go ahead and they take your heart and get you all excited. And then they piece by piece start stomping on it into little itty bitty pieces. So um, I was, I wasn't totally shocked by what happened in the second half. Um, but at the same time, I, I was optimistic that they would be able to kind of keep it going. If, if they had could get some breaks, they got some breaks in the first half, those breaks quickly went away. And instead it was the Badgers who were uh, making mistakes. And so what was your thoughts on the first half? I mean, yeah, I was I was super excited. Obviously, being at the being at the game, there was a lot of positive. You know, there wasn't a ton of Badger fans in general. I mean, we were 
walking around downtown Indianapolis, it was it was kind of weird because you hardly saw any Badger fans. I, I literally think it was 90-10 Ohio State fans. Uh, there, I know it's a it's a much longer drive down from Wisconsin than it is from Columbus, so you're going to be outnumbered in general, and obviously Ohio State travels well. But that stadium, when it, when anything good happened for Wisconsin, it was still relatively quiet, and when something good happened for Ohio State, it was the loudest I've ever heard it. So oh, and that and that joint is like low, no joke loud, like yes. beyond loud. Like it, I remember going there a few years ago, and it is about as loud as any stadium I've ever been at. Yeah, it's it's intimidating for sure. I mean, you get you you just it it swings back and forth so fast where all of a sudden you know something something positive happens and you have the crowd behind you and then something negative happened and it's like a it's like rumbling a roar behind you where it's uh but i think that's what makes that stadium so fun i mean i i love lucas oil there's really i don't think there's a lot of better i think they're probably one of the nicer pro stadiums across the country just for a game like this but uh, in terms of the first half, obviously, yeah, things were pretty exciting, and it was it was fun to see. And obviously, I had a few drinks in me, so I was very ruckus and loud. And the but in the back of my head, I was you know I had been to the last two Big Ten championship games, and I knew how those ones went, and I was still a little cautious. And then, really, the third quarter, I I point to the it was third and seven, I believe, where Fields was going to get sacked, and then scrambled around and threw that deep, and then two plays later, I think they scored on that one-handed catch. And honestly, when they converted that third and seven for me, it was—it sounds weird because we were up 21-7, but for me, I was like, oh, here we go. This thing is going to get ugly fast, and then and then sort of did. I don't know why that play sticks out so specifically, but it just felt like a huge momentum you know, builder that the Badgers were going to come out and get a stop. And then to have it flip like that just seemed like a, a really big – you know, momentum killer for Wisconsin. Did yeah, you... I mean that was that was huge play that when he scrambled and hit Olave for the 50 yarder. Yeah. I mean that that completely changed kind of what had happened, especially after you know it was third and seven and they had him on their own 28. So it's it was it was no joke. And then obviously uh, Jeremy Ruckert had that amazing one-handed catch in the end zone, and and you kind of saw, hey, these guys have talent. You know, like yeah. their talent yeah. started to to pop up. Um, yeah, it just it flipped a switch for sure. I mean. I, that actually wasn't the spot that like I think I think all of it kind of blends together and started doing it. But like really, what happened for me was when the Lottie punt happened and he dropped it. I mm-hmm. it was that to me was the biggest play of the game. Everything had been the Badgers had done everything perfect in terms of going ahead, making sure that they were the aggressor. They had they had the ball. They were doing what they wanted to do. They were dictating the game, so to speak, outside of, you know, a fluky, you know, 50-yard pass and a one-handed catch in the end zone. That's what that genuinely took for the Ohio State to score on that touchdown drive. And for the Badgers to then have that drop punt after not having any turnovers and getting a turnover on from Ohio State early on in that game, it it, it, it kind of was like, Oh crap. You know, it was just like, that's, that was one of those where it's like, you just can't do that. You can't give Ohio state the chance. The defense held for the field goal, but then you go out the very next drive where Wisconsin's going, they have a nice drive going. They get all the way down to the 30 yard line of Ohio state. And then you get a really bad holding call and and it backs you up and it's now first and first and 20 and you're, you're in deep field goal range now, instead of, you know, driving on them, they missed a field goal. And at that point I could have, 
I could have written the script for you of what was going to happen from there. It really, yeah, exactly. the Badgers were up. The Badgers were still up by four, but it was just like, I, I didn't even need to watch the rest of it. I could have could have left my friend's place and gone home and been like, yep, I know exactly what happened. Could have had this podcast. You know, it's just like <laughs> we, we have been through enough Badger games in whether it's football or basketball that you kind of know what how that works because you've watched enough sporting events to know how, how big momentum can swing on something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you, you pointed to the Lottie punt and that one for me, uh, I think I agree with you. It was a big momentum flipper, but it just seemed to it all after that third and seven, it, that, those two and everything just sort of blended together for me. And it was just like yep. a blur. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, here we go. Well, this is this is exactly what we've seen the last two times we've been down here. And, you know, my girlfriend, she watches a lot of football, but admittedly she doesn't. I mean, she's a Badger fan, but admittedly she isn't you know, super in tune to it the way we are. And she goes, this is a lot like the last two times we've came down for this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You got it right. And it doesn't end, it doesn't end well for us uh, in this game, but uh, let's kind of dive into a little bit of X and O's because obviously things went pretty good. And, you know, we talked about kind of our, Oh no moment. Uh, but what do you think kind of changed for the Badgers in that second half? Or was it just, more so Ohio State just kind of waking up and finding its groove and Wisconsin, you know, maybe making some mistakes to play into their hand. But is that what what did you kind of make of the second half or what do you think kind of flipped? I, I think I mean, a lot of people want to want to harpen back on the on the play calling and kind of how what the Wisconsin offense kind of changed, you know, dictating the game, so to speak. But I mean, Ohio State made some adjustments. Wisconsin didn't really have a counterpunch for that. Ohio State started dropping their linebackers right back into where those windows where Quintez Cephas was crushing them with slants and Danny Davis was crushing them with slants and they didn't have that anymore. And so that kind of hurt the offense. So they needed to have figured out a way to kind of beat that. And they couldn't um, because part of it was Ohio State has great cornerbacks. You know, once again, Jeff Okuda is going to be a first round draft pick. It's there. And he didn't wasn't out there for a lot big chunk in the first half. But to me, the big thing was Wisconsin wasn't able to maximize the opportunities that they had. You look at it, the, the drop punt. That, that could have very easily been a 45-yard punt, normal punt, and it, you're making Ohio State have to go the length of the field. Instead, you're giving away three points. They're, they have a, a miscue on a, on a hold. Then later on, Wisconsin has a chance to get an interception. They don't capitalize. It's like those things, if you're trying to beat a team as talented as Ohio State, you need to make the plays. You got to make those interceptions if they're going right through your hands. You got to be able to make those tackles when it's like, hey, you got two guys on a guy like Justin Fields, and you got to wrap him up in the backfield so it doesn't he doesn't get to a spot where he can scramble and hit uh, Olave from 50 yards. So it, it's one of those things where you had your opportunities. Wisconsin didn't capitalize them in the second half the same way that they did in the first half. And I think that that's the story of the game way more than, hey, Wisconsin shelled up on offense because right. they weren't doing anything crazy different. They just weren't able to get first downs. Like the, it was yeah. three and out punt, three and out punt for back to back drives. And then and then you had overrun downs. I think it was that's like how the fourth quarter went basically for the Badgers. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I didn't think, you know, I know a lot of people, obviously, I I didn't see it as in depth with the play calling being in the stadium, but I didn't realize how upset people were at the play calling until I got outside of the stadium and got, you know, started reading through tweets and seeing the dumpster fire that is Wisconsin Twitter when these type of things happen. But I agree. I didn't think anything 
you know, was too different from the first half in terms of the play calling. Obviously, it just wasn't working. I mean, and that's both a credit to, obviously, the talent on the other side. We Ryan Day went in and said, you know what, we we maybe looked at this and came out a little flat, and we maybe took this team for less than they actually are, and that's obviously a credit to Wisconsin. But to Ryan Day, you know, he came, he made adjustments and you know fixed some things, and like you said, Wisconsin just didn't have that counter punch back. You know, it, these football games are you know the knockout punches and and a boxing match back and forth and when you don't have your your next punch ready it can it can get away from you fast and that's kind of that's kind of I think the best way to explain it on how this happened was just I don't think it's a schematic x's and o thing I don't think it's play calling I don't think anyone was at it either you know not aggressive enough or or in a shell I just think it just stopped working, and when you it stops working, and you you're out of answers, that can that can come back to bite you, right? Yeah, and and it, and to further that, you go back to that 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 stanza we were kind of talking about, where we where you they had the big score to to open up the half, and then the Badgers had the Lottie dropped punt. That when the Badgers at that point, or I mean uh, later on at the I want to say the beginning of the fourth quarter when Ohio state's up only three, you know, you still got a shot and mm-hmm. Crickshank, who's been so great all year long at punt return or kickoff returns takes it, takes it out to the 15 yard line because he tried to be aggressive. It's it, you fair catch that. And you're out at the 25, you were able to get more aggressive with your play calling. Instead, Wisconsin's at third and seven at their own 18 yard line and choose to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor, get five, but you're not far out enough where you could even think about going for it on fourth right. fourth down. Instead, you have to throw it. Like in that case, I wish they would have thrown the ball. But at the same time, you go back to when they played Minnesota. That that third down draw play, it worked. You know, like they had it where they were able to kind of keep them guessing and make that play at the end of the third quarter. And this time it didn't. So I think it's one of those things where the players, uh, you know, it came down to to players making plays and. Wisconsin wasn't able to do that to the same degree that Ohio State was to close the game out because Wisconsin had their chances. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I I totally agree that it's just we we talked about it in our preview of the game. Obviously, you're taking on the number one, obviously number two now with LSU jumping them. Uh, you're taking on a team that has been so collectively talented that really hasn't shown any glaring holes on their on their you know starting 11 on, on both sides of the football. And obviously I think they found some weaknesses in uh, that defense. You, you talked about it in the, in the linebackers and Colton uh, Denning, who, who was on the show last week said, if there's a spot where this Ohio state defense was susceptible uh, to some mistakes, it was in the middle. And, you know, you saw that with Cephas and, and a couple other guys finding passes and finding holes in there. And then on offense, obviously Justin Fields was a little hampered, you took out, you took away the the run with J.K. Dobbins and, and made Fields make plays with his arm, and he came out and did that. So, it's just one of those things that ebbs and flows, and making adjustments are are crucial in this football game. And Wisconsin just didn't do enough, and 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 make enough plays, and and didn't really play. We talked about perfect a perfect game. They would have had to play a perfect game. They played probably a perfect first half in a lot of ways, but just didn't have enough to you know make it a four perfect complete quarters and you have to have that against a team like Ohio State. Yeah, I mean Ohio State is is one of the favorites for the college football playoff for a reason. 
I mean, they've, yeah. they've looked. I think Barry Alvarez even came out and said that they're the best team he's seen in his time in the Big Ten. I mean, they're, they're, it's not something that Barry's just going to say um, for self-serving purposes beyond, hey, this team's actually really good. Right, right, exactly, exactly. They're they're talented, and they're going to get, obviously, a good test in Clemson. I, I don't know what to make of that game, but obviously we'll do maybe a, a little bowl preview or, or something like that as we get closer to that. Obviously, it's still – couple weeks away which is always hard that first saturday but we got a little army navy this saturday (laughs) which is always fun so um you know i i guess our recap talk of this i i don't know if there's a ton more other than really just how upset were you with the second half or was this something that you were just like you know what we've seen this before we've done enough to get to pasadena i know it sucks but I, were, you too, were you really upset and distraught, or were you just kind of like, yeah, this is this is kind of what we expected? Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, by the end of it, I was to the point where it was like, hey, in the end, 30 to 20 is what I thought was going to happen, and it was right. damn near the exact same thing. So I wasn't completely, like, over the hill about it, but at the same time, it was still disappointing because Wisconsin had it. Like, they had their opportunities to go ahead and and take care of the game, finish it off, like you said, if they were able to to be perfect in the second half, and that's what it would have taken, was fewer carries. They passed the ball decently. The percentage wasn't perfect. Uh, I thought Jack Cohn had a tremendous game, especially in the first half. Um, you know, outside of him just just about getting decapitated on that last play. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I thought the, the Badgers put up 432 yards of offense. Put up, put up uh, 21 points in the first half. You do that stuff, and you usually can win a game. The the, yeah. the difference is you're going up against Ohio State. You know, it's, if if the Badgers put up 21 points against Minnesota, they win. Oh they, yeah. You know, like they if that's how that would have went down, they would have won that game last week, and they would have won 21-17. If they go out and would have done that against uh, Michigan State, they win that game. It's it's just a different level of talent hell it would have even worked against Michigan where they Michigan only scored 14 so it's it's one of those things where it is completely dependent on the competition level you're going at and being able to um, come up with that counterpunch like you said when a, t- a team starts figuring it out wakes up at second half and comes out to play and you get punched in your mouth yourself after delivering it all it, it goes a long way yeah no I totally agree with you it's just yeah it obviously it, it's hard in the moment and I think like you said you and I have both been burned by that enough times where it doesn't you know make you you're kind of numb to it uh, in, a, in a sense but especially just given how the last two Big Ten championships have gone before that it's just kind of like you know what we're gonna go down and we're gonna watch the same movie happen we know the sad part's gonna happen but we're gonna watch it anyway and it's gonna make us sad and that's kind of what I attributed it to it <laughs> that you know it's still fun. It's still cool to go. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they hung tough. And I think they exposed some things with Ohio State that, uh, the, you know, Clemson might be able to take advantage of. But obviously, once bowl season comes around, I'm I'm Mr. Big Ten. I, I don't know. How, how are you with that? Are you always rooting for Big Ten teams? Uh, it depends. It depends on the matchups and uh, what happened during the regular season, like and different differing factors basically right. it depends on the game but uh for the for the most part i i kind of root for good things to happen for the big 10 uh, was there any any uh players that really stood out to you in the big 10 championship that you were like hey uh, i thought they played really well and and you know gave you some hope for um the bowl game here 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jonathan Taylor obviously had those couple big runs. I think he kind of got that monkey off his back of you know not being able to make plays against Ohio State. He, I don't even remember how many yards he finished up with, but uh, just to kind of finally get that weight off. So I know it didn't end how he wanted to. Uh, I I thought I was he was pretty impressive, and I thought Jack Cohn played pretty well. You know, just given the circumstances, he was pretty mobile. Um, and made some plays with his feet. Obviously, the the read option. I, I don't know. I don't think anyone expected to see Jack Cohn running that. And I think that was a beautiful play call. And then again, I think it's kind of been that three-headed monster of when Jonathan Taylor plays well, Jack Cohn is getting you know Quintez Cephas the ball, and he's making plays on the ball. I think it changes this whole offense. But I think really those three once again were the difference makers that kind of stood out on offense. And then. Defensively, I think Chris Orr had a pretty good game. I, I, I don't remember a lot of the defensive stats, um, but I think just as a group, defensively, they really held their own in the first half uh, and it just kind of got away from them in the second half and things changed. What about you? Any, anyone in particular stuck out outside of maybe those three, or was it just kind of the usual names? Yeah, I mean, on offense, I would say Danny Davis. It was good to see him get back in there. You know, I think he had three catches for, you know, almost 40 yards. So, and he was, and he was pivotal in some of the moving the chain situations, especially when everybody's going to be keying on Quintez Cephas. And then defensively, you know, Chris Orr was great until, uh, you know, going out for the majority of, of the rest of the game with that head, head injury. So I'm hope, hoping that he's doing better come bowl season, I would hope. Um, but, you know, it was, it was, he was pretty woozy after that hit, uh, you know, a little um, badger on badger action there as Garrett Rand kind of just teed him up. Um, but then I thought the defensive line did really well uh, in that game. Overall, you know, it took a lot of carries for Ohio State to get anything going on the run. It wasn't something where Wisconsin was getting gashed nearly like they were uh, the first matchup. Um, but I thought, you know, Isaiah Loudermilk had a sack and he had the fourth fumble. You saw Keanu Benton really make a nice play as a true freshman. He has been phenomenal this year and a guy that I'm really excited about considering Wisconsin doesn't generally have impact players along the defensive line that can come in and make an immediate impact as a freshman and, and really be a true nose tackle. And he's a guy who's really just flashed this year at times. And then Matt Henningsen with the sack and, and the fumble recovery. So I thought the defensive line did great. I thought Leo Chanel, you know, being kind of forced into action there to fill in for Orr was was good. I mean, you could tell that it's a couple times he was out of place and, and that hurt them in the run game. And I think that was actually a big reason for some of the defensive struggles in the second half. I mean, Chris Orr is is such a dynamic part of that defense he's the vocal leader on top of you know just he makes the calls he's doing all those things and instead that quickly turns to Jack Sanborn a guy who hasn't made the calls all year hasn't been forced into action doing that in game time this being his first year starting and and to kind of have to do that and pass that along is is a lot and I, I thought that Sanborn played a great game had nine tackles but in the end that's something a role that he'll have to be ready for next year, but that's that wasn't what he's been doing this year. To, so to see him step up so big was also good. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, 100. percent They, those guys all made plays, and you know the defensive line I think was getting a lot of good pressure. Loudermilk especially, and like you said, Benton's going to be a phenomenal player going forward. But I think the Chris Orr impact is is more noticeable now that you've had time to reflect on it a little bit. I think in that moment when things were just falling off, you know, the, you know, things were just falling apart that maybe people didn't collectively notice. 
obviously everyone noticed that Chris Orr was injured and not out there, but how big of a difference that makes from not only a playmaker standpoint, but also, like you said, the defensive calls, getting guys in the right spot, making sure they're in the right coverage, moving things around. Um, I think that makes a big difference, especially when you're when you're in Jim Leonard's defense where you're blitzing from a lot of different positions and in different areas. Jim Leonard loves to bring the blitz. He loves to mix it up. And obviously Ohio State was was pretty keen to try and diagnose that by getting to the line and and giving you a fake snap and then, you know, trying to you know guess where guys were jumping and make adjustments from there. But I think just overall his presence not being in there is a little bit more noticeable. I think if you went back and, you know, if, if we were to rewatch that game, I think Chris Orr's impact would be, you know, noticed a lot more, you know, lack of, you know, being presence in the second half uh, than I think people are, you know, kind of thinking about and giving credit to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Wisconsin was able to do everything they wanted in that first half with over 300, around 300 yards of offense. And to, to then see the defense who had held them to seven points, not be able to, to hold because the offense wasn't able to continue to sustain that uh, offensive dominance that they had put apart was, was hard because I think part of it was Ohio State was able to string some drives together and Wisconsin was, wasn't was able to keep the offense on the field long enough to give the defense a break. And that kind of just started to unravel very quickly because Wisconsin didn't have guys to spell uh, those inside linebackers, you know, it, you never saw Jack Sanborn or Leo Chanel come off the field for the rest of that game. You saw guys like Reggie Pearson constantly out there making plays. Eric Burrell, they started uh, rotating in Colin Wilder, but he also missed that interception. So it was like it's one of those things where if you don't have the the depth on defense to be able to bring in a lot of guys because of injuries that have happened to the Badgers, uh, both in the secondary, um, you know, in, in the offense with A.J. Taylor not being there, um, and then obviously Chris Orr, it, it makes a big difference to not have those guys to spell one another. Yeah, it really does. And obviously you kind of felt that impact, and it just sort of got away from, from, from them from a standpoint of that every little thing against a team like that makes a big difference, and collectively it just added up to be – enough where you weren't able to come on to, out on top against probably one of the best teams in the last how many years you know you can't hang your head on it too much i think they, they they showed a lot it just it just wasn't enough and they didn't make enough plays to to collectively you know bring home the w but that happens to, to pretty much anyone against ohio state and there's a good chance even you know teams like clemson or lsu or oklahoma aren't might not be able to make enough plays to to beat that team they're tremendously talented so despite yeah. that let's talk some positive stuff so obviously the Badgers um, going to the Rose Bowl you know very prestigious game obviously really exciting how excited and, and how good is it to, to be going to the Rose Bowl uh, given what the Badgers had last season yeah I think uh, you know to give a little Paul Chris coach speak I think it's a huge opportunity for the team they, they obviously came into the season with some very different expectations than they had the past, you know, probably three or four years where everybody was kind of saying, hey, this is a team that should be winning 10 games. We expect that. Instead, people came in and were like, oh, they went eight and five last year. They they lost some games that pretty ugly fashion, really. And Wisconsin was entering with a pretty tough 
schedule. We saw even teams like Central Michigan playing this weekend in championship games that were on Wisconsin's schedule. And Wisconsin was able to do a lot this year. And I think it's really exciting to see them go up against Oregon, who's very similar in kind of what they've done this year, uh, especially in the trenches. Both teams have huge offensive lines, huge defensive lines. And they're going to maul one another and see who can actually run the ball, who can make the plays. And I think this is a huge opportunity for them to actually win. You know, uh, they've been to the Rose Bowl so many times uh, in my lifetime. And obviously they've won. They've won some of them. They've won three of them. They won. I, I'm 30 years old. So I was I'm been there for 93. And, you know, I remember, you know, 99 2000 and and seeing kind of what they were able to do but then I also remember the Brett Bielema years where they they just weren't able to take care of business and win those games this is this is a chance for Wisconsin to go and win another bowl game in a row under Paul Christ and show people that hey they're in that upper tier of of not only the Big Ten, but of the nation, because it's a huge platform. It's such a huge game. It's such a cool atmosphere. And the Badgers have done enough this year to get there. And it's 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 a it's a cool moment to see, you know, what they've put together all year and the goals that they had set out come to fruition for the most part. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't wait. Obviously, anytime you're playing in the New Year's Six Bowl is exciting. But I, I think a, a, a Cotton Bowl matchup against Memphis, the way Penn State got it, would have probably been a little not as exciting, I'll say, as obviously a Rose Bowl, just given the prestige of it, given how, you know, the, this beautiful stadium, the beautiful weather, the just the atmosphere of it. So I think it's really a chance for Wisconsin to, to, to continue to build on their program because anytime you can pick up not only a New Year's Six appearance but a New Year's Six Bowl win is huge for a program that is trying to catch the Ohio State's, the not – so much on the field, the Michigans, but in the recruiting, trying to battle with those teams. Rose Bowls and bowl appearances in these quality bowls make a huge difference for your program. So I know, you know, that's kind of the goal for a lot of teams is to get to a bowl because you get not only the, obviously Wisconsin gets a much bigger stage in the Rose Bowl, but you get those extra three weeks of practice. You can work some guys in, you can work on more stuff, and that sets you up for, not only a, a strong finish to this season, but that sets you up for next spring as you try to, you know, open up the year, open up the book on another football season. So obviously th- it's huge and I, I can't wait to see it. I know Oregon will be a, a very tough test. I've been high on Oregon all season long. I, I really like their, what you mentioned, their offensive line is really good. They've got some guys on defense. The, the Oregon defense doesn't normally get talked about a lot, but they've got some, they've got some talent on there and you're going to see, Probably the last game of, of Jonathan Taylor uh, and obviously Justin Herbert, you know, two stars on offense going back and forth uh, should be exciting. And hopefully they can come out on top, unlike the last time these two met, because I, re- I went and rewatched the uh, highlights from that for a roundtable. And man, that one, the, the Oregon Russell Wilson you know, spike, Abraderis fumble. That really brought up some some memories that I I, I think I put away and I was not prepared to <laughs> back up. Yeah, yeah, no, and I I totally agree with you on that one. It's just like, oh boy. Yeah, it's it was tough, but uh, I, I know you've been out to the Rose Bowl. Uh, how many times have you been out to Pasadena? I've just been out there the one time, and it was uh it, it was a blast. Um, I went with my brother, and uh, we had an absolute blast out there. You know. Got a got our own fair share of adult beverages and had a great time. Uh, 
I remember we actually, something happened with one of our flights and we ended up having to sleep at the San Francisco airport in order to make it work. So that was, uh, that was brutal. But, um, outside of that, it was uh, tremendous fun. And, uh, outside of the, the final score, it's definitely something that I would want to do again, because it is, is very cool. Are you still planning to possibly go? Yep. Yep. I am. Uh, we've been, we put, I obviously we're season ticket holders. So I put in for two, uh, still waiting on the email to make sure that I've gotten them, but, uh, they said it's pretty much a pretty easy process. So I'm looking at flights and I did not realize how expensive <laughs> flights to LA are, but, uh, I'm still playing. I said, you know, the last time they went, I was, you know, pretty, you know, not able to afford to go. And I said, the next time they go, and I've got uh, the money saved up. I'm going, so I'm I'm planning on uh, heading out there for this one. And awesome. So I'm I'm pretty excited. I think it's probably you know once or twice in a lifetime. But I I think I said you know you're not guaranteed. Obviously these appearances, and that's what makes the Rose Bowl so cool. Is that especially now with the playoff, you only get a certain number of years, and you you know who knows the next time you get back there. So I'm gonna take my shot and uh, head out to Pasadena. I think. So. Yeah, for sure. I also forgot when we were talking about some of the injury stuff, I forgot to talk about Noah Burks. He also went down. So it oh, kind of, yeah. you know, I was just trying to kind of in the Rolodex, but yeah. it, it was big, you know, to see some of those guys go down. But you also see some of the guys travel for the Big Ten Championship, and they'll probably have more freshmen come into the uh, Rose Bowl after some of these extra bowl practices, like you'd said. So man, it's, it's cool for them to get back. And it's a big uh, chance for the Badgers to go out and make a statement and kind of get some momentum going for next year. Cause each of the last, I think it's been, is it four or five times they've won the last, uh, they yeah, won their think, bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's four, maybe five. I don't even know at this point, we just keep winning so many times. <laughs> yeah, no. So they've, they've, they've done it. And I think it's a nice catapult to getting back into things the next season and in the off season. So I think that's that's a definitely improvement upon the season ago, and uh, I think I think overall it's success. Would you say it's a, a successful year? Yeah, yeah. No, I think we came into the season both of us kind of expected a two loss, and we both picked Wisconsin to win the West, and maybe played. Obviously, no one expected. I don't think Ohio State to be this good. Uh, so maybe you pulled off a Big Ten championship or maybe you, you know, hung in there and, and made a close game. But Rose Bowl, I think, was always, at least for me, that, that was kind of my goal for this team. I Obviously, I want them to make the playoff, but you have to be kind of be realistic as a fan or you're usually going to get let down. So I think this is success is just given given what there was last year. And you know, these guys could have packed it in and said, you know what, we'll we'll see what we win if we go eight and four, you know, it, I guess we're just a mid-tier Big Ten team, but they didn't. They stuck to the the model of consistency of nine, ten wins, and I know everybody wants to get over that hump, but most fan bases would take this as a successful season. What about you? Yeah, I mean, for a lot of programs, the the hump is getting over eight wins to right. the to the nine, ten win seasons, and so uh, or eleven, like Wisconsin has done in the past. So I, I think it's it's a big big thing, and it's big that they're in the Rose Bowl compared to you know when they went. When they ended up going to the Cotton Bowl and and beat or not the Cotton yeah the Cotton Bowl and and beat the PJ Fleck led Western Michigan team it was it was kind of a damper just because they had had such a good season and they were only in the Cotton Bowl so 
for Wisconsin to actually get there where they want to be in either the Rose Bowl. I think you either want to be in the Rose Bowl or in the playoff if you're the Badgers every single year. I think that's the goal to to get back there and cement your status at top the the Big Ten West is is crucial, and it's uh, it's good to see them back where they're supposed to be with all the trophies in-house as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Overall, uh, a solid season for the Badgers and obviously some big games to be played out in Pasadena. So I know people are probably upset that you know they, we dropped the Big Ten championship game and, of course, the three losses. All, any loss in college football hurts, but overall, big picture, I think it was a pretty exciting year. So. Guys, that's all we have down. Obviously, we'll get more into the uh, you know Rose Bowl on Pasadena as we get closer. We've got you know some stuff to figure out in terms of stuff for the website. Obviously, not no games these next couple weeks, so it'll be a little bit of adjustment. But uh, we'll get you guys you know as much content as we can as we prepare for the Badgers trip to Pasadena. Uh, so make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Stay tuned for more episodes as they come along. Obviously, we thank you guys for listening all football season long. I think both Matt and I have really enjoyed doing this podcast and, and talking college football and we enjoy it. Hopefully you guys enjoy listening to us and hopefully uh, you, you'll enjoy uh, the, the podcast that we've been able to put together. So it's been a fun football season and we'll look to finish it on a high note. So yep. thanks guys for listening. Anything else, Matt, anything you want to add? Uh, we'll have another one this week for sure. Kind of talking about the season uh, in the rear view and also kind of, talking about the Rose Bowl a little bit and then next week's national signing day. So we'll have a lot to talk about next week too. So I think we, we had talked about still doing two podcasts a week through the bowl game for sure. And then kind of uh, shifting from there maybe. So uh, yeah. keep, keep yep. downloading and keep giving us the positive vibes uh, by subscribing and uh, give us positive reviews as well. Absolutely. And Matt nailed it there. Thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.